This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. I'm Alex Bernard, Associate Editor and your host today. Today we're talking about multiple resistant water hemp. Herbicide resistance is a major concern in Canada, and where it exists, water hemp is one of the biggest concerns, given its ability to rapidly evolve resistance and current four-way resistant populations. Peter Sikama, professor of weed management at the University of Guelph, Ridgetown campus, discusses the spread of multiple resistant water hemp in Ontario and how to manage it, chemically and with other tactics. Kim Brown Livingston, crop specialist, weeds with Manitoba Agriculture and Resource Development, emphasizes the importance of preventing further spread of this tier one noxious weed in the province. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard, Associate Editor for Top Crop Manager, and I'm speaking today with Peter Sikama, Professor of Field Crop Weed Management at the University of Guelph's Ridgetown campus. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing well, thanks. Glad to have you here. So today we are talking about water hemp and specifically multiple resistant water hemp. So just to give a general overview, what is water hemp? Water hemp is a member of the pigweed family and it's actually quite difficult to identify correctly when it's in the seedling stage. As the plant grows, the two best ways to identify it or differentiate it from other pigweed species is, first of all, water hemp has long, narrow leaves with wavy margins, whereas in contrast, redroot pigweed, which would be the most common pigweed species in Ontario, tends to have shorter and broader leaves. And secondly, water hemp has a hairless leaf and stem, whereas redroot pigweed has a hairy stem. And another big difference between water hemp and redroot pigweed is that redroot pigweed is a monoecious species, meaning that both the female and male flowers are on the same plant. In contrast to that, water hemp is a dioecious species meaning that you have separate male and female plants. Okay. Now, would that be something that makes water hemp more troublesome or less troublesome in terms of its ability to evolve? So in terms of the fact that water hemp is a dioecious species means that it's an obligate cross-pollinating plant and therefore you have huge genetic diversity within this species And it allows for gene shuffling and the possibility of genes that confer resistance to various herbicide modes of action. Okay, so it more quickly develops resistance than, say, redroot pigweed. That is correct. Okay, so I know that Ontario has particularly severe issue with multiple resistance in water hemp. To which herbicide groups has Ontario water hemp developed resistance at this point? So I'll just give you a brief history to answer your question. So the uh, first glyphosate-resistant water hemp was identified from seed collected in 2014 in the southwest corner of Lambton County. And that particular biotype was resistant to the group 2, 5, and 9 herbicides. 
And subsequent to that, we also have found populations that are resistant to the group 14 herbicides. And so in 2014, all that we knew was that there was one field with water hemp that was resistant to the group 2, 5, and 9 herbicides. Now, glyphosate-resistant water hemp, or more accurately, multiple herbicide-resistant water hemp, is found from Essex County in the southwest corner of the province, adjacent to the Michigan border, to Leeds and Grenville County, which is 700 kilometers away from the original site. So it's found across a quite large geographic area in Ontario. It's found in 14 counties. Of those 14 counties, eight counties have populations that are resistant to four different modes of action, the group 2, 5, 9, and 14 herbicides. Five counties have three-way resistant water hemp, and one county has two-way resistant water hemp resistant to the group 2 and 9 herbicides. So it's spreading quite quickly. (laughs) It is spreading more quickly than I would have anticipated. And that's that's saying something. Now, do you anticipate it developing resistance to any more groups in the near future? Is that something we can predict? That's an impossible question to answer. I think as a weed scientist, I would not be surprised if water hemp evolves resistance to additional herbicide modes of action over time. However, nobody can tell you when or where that will occur in the province. So it could occur in the next year, or it could be 10 years from now, and nobody can tell you that answer. All right. Do you anticipate it spreading beyond the current territories it infects in the near future? So based on the distribution of water hemp over the last six growing seasons, I think one can confidently say that it will be found in additional fields across the province every year for the next number of years. So I fully expect that we will find it in more counties across the province of Ontario in the next few years. Okay, so given its ability to develop resistance rapidly, what are the current management strategies and what are, I guess, recommendations going forward? So I think to just step back one step, I think every farmer should implement a diverse integrated weed management program on their farm. They cannot rely on one weed management tactic to uh, control this weed. So I think the foundation for an integrated weed management program is to have a diverse crop rotation on your farm. And ideally, I would like to see at least three crops in that rotation. So corn, soybean, wheat is a good foundation in terms of a crop rotation for integrated weed management. And then on top of that, farmers can add multiple other weed management tactics. So it could be reducing the row width of their soybean. It could be increasing the seeding rate of the soybean. It could be planting a cover crop after winter wheat harvest. And today, the primary way to manage weeds in the province is through the use of chemical herbicides. And that will remain an important weed management tactic that should be used in combination with all of those other weed management strategies. 
So in terms of managing multiple herbicide-resistant water hemp in corn, in a research conducted in Ontario, the best soil-applied herbicides for managing water hemp in corn are either Integrity or Acuron applied pre-emergence. Both of those herbicides have provided greater than 90% control. And then if you do have water hemp escapes in your corn after the corn has emerged, the uh, group 27 herbicides like Callisto, Converge, ShieldX, Acuron Flexi or Acuron have all provided greater than 90% control. In terms of in soybean, in the uh, research that's been conducted in Ontario, the best herbicides uh, applied pre-emergence were Triactor and Fierce. They both provided greater than 90% control. And then herbicides like Bifecta, Boundary, Volterra, and Authority Supreme provided someplace between 80 and 85% control. However, I think in soybean, if you have a field with multiple herbicide-resistant water hemp, you should plan on a two-pass program. So if you're growing Roundup Ready soybean, or if you're growing Identity Preserve soybean, I think you can start with one of the six soil-applied herbicides that I mentioned earlier. They are Bifecta, Boundary, Volterra, Authority Supreme, Triactor, or Fierce. And then plan on coming back with a post-emergence uh, herbicide. And in the research that we've done, Reflex would be the product of choice. However, with the introduction of Extend Soybean and now E3 Soybean, Ontario farmers do have additional options in terms of controlling water hemp post-emergence in soybean. In Extend Soybean, you can use one of the dicamba-based herbicides. You could buy it as Ingenia, Extendamax, or Roundup Extend, which could be applied post-emergence in Extend Soybean for the control of multiple herbicide-resistant water hemp. I really want to stress that farmers who choose to apply a dicamba-based herbicide post-emergence in soybean have to be extremely careful in terms of the possibility of injury to sensitive crops in adjacent fields with the post-emergence application of dicamba. So it is effective. I'm not disputing that at all. However, I do think that farmers need to be extremely careful and make sure that there is not off-target movement to sensitive crops in adjacent fields. In Enlist or E3 soybean, growers have the option of applying Enlist 1, Enlist Duo, or Liberty post-emergence in E3 soybean. And in the trials that we've conducted, where you put down an effective pre-emergence herbicide, let's say like Boundary, Authority, Supreme, Triactor, or Fierce, and then come back with Enlist 1, Enlist Duo, or Liberty post-emergence, the control has been greater than 95%. That is impressive. What rate of control would limit the ability of water hemp to develop a resistant population? Are we looking for a specific rate of control? 
I think because water hemp has the propensity of evolving resistance to multiple different herbicide modes of action, I think the objective of all farmers in Ontario should be to have near perfect or 100% control of water hemp. We have to reduce the amount of water hemp seed that's returned to the seed bank so that we can reduce the possibility of uh, water hemp evolving resistance to additional herbicide modes of action. So in contrast to other weeds, I really think that the objective of Ontario farmers should be near perfect or 100% control of water hemp. And I think through the implementation of a diverse integrated weed management program, along with effective herbicides, it is possible to achieve near perfect control of water hemp in corn, soybean, and wheat. That's good news. Yep. Now, if growers believe they have water hemp in their fields, especially if it's something new to them, what would you recommend? Who should they contact? What should they do to get a handle on the situation? Yeah, I think uh, they should for sure contact their local ag retailer where they buy their uh, crop inputs. If it's a county that it's not been found in previously, I'm very interested in them contacting me. I would like to have one of our staff or possibly somebody in the local area collect seed at maturity, and we would screen it for resistance in the greenhouse. In addition to that, we would send it away for genetic tests to see if it is resistant to various herbicide modes of action. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard, Associate Editor for Top Crop Manager, and I'm speaking today with Kim Brown Livingston, Crop Specialist Weeds with Manitoba Agriculture and Resource Development. How are you doing today, Kim? Uh, I'm doing really well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Now today we are talking about water hemp and specifically multiple resistant water hemp. So if you mm -hmm. could just give us a brief overview, what is water hemp and how can producers recognize it? First of all, water hemp is one of the amaranth weeds, red root pigweed. Everybody's familiar with red root pigweed. It's, it's very, very similar to red root pigweed. It's unfortunately like red root pigweed on steroids. And it's in that family. So it's something that looks very similar to what a weed that we've been familiar with for a very long time. But it's something that we really haven't had water hemp or, uh, or palmer amaranth, which is another amaranth species. We haven't had those here. They're quite new to Manitoba. And it's quite scary because they're, they're very bad weeds in other parts of North America and have caused tremendous economic damage and uh, really difficult to control. So we're very glad they haven't been here yet, but they are here now and we're monitoring. We're really trying to make sure they don't get away on us and become a real problem. Okay. Yes, I know water hemp has been in Ontario for about seven years. How long has it been in Manitoba, would you say? In 2019, it started showing up and it's been isolated somewhat to the eastern side of the province. It's in four or five RMs. I suspect we've probably got a few more out there than we know about. And then we found one up in Dauphin last year as well in 2020. So that was a bit concerning because that's kind of halfway across the province. It was just one plant, but we're monitoring that site as well and making sure that, you know, we haven't missed any. In all of the cases where the water hemp's been found, they've, we've tried to destroy it 
in Manitoba with our Noxious Weeds Act, which is a provincial legislation. It's a tier one weed, which means that it must be destroyed without consideration. So if we find it or if you find it, it has to be destroyed. You cannot let this go to seed. So we're hoping that we're able to eliminate it before it's able to spread too far. But, you know, realistically, we know that there's some plants out there that we didn't know about or people don't know are there. So we're just going to have to be monitoring and trying to make sure people know it and see it. And, you know, they see it, they know it, and then they get rid of it. Excellent. I know it produces a lot of seeds. Do they spread mm. through the wind or is the problem is it's a typical pigweed seed. So if you know your red root pigweed, it's a tiny, tiny little seed. They're really, really small and they're black and they're shiny. So they won't spread through the wind like something like a dandelion wood or some of our other weeds like a Canada fleabane that spreads that way. But they are so small and it's able to contaminate. It, it would be kind of like canola seed. You always have canola seed in the combine from somewhere or in on pieces of equipment because the canola seed is very small. And our amaranth seeds are just really, really tiny even compared to canola. So machinery contamination is a big deal and um, it just moves from place to place. They've actually found, they've been doing some studies and there's actually some long range transport in the digestive tract of waterfowl. And so we figured that that's a way that this could have been moving up here. We're not really sure how exactly it got to Manitoba or why. And I guess that's really not the issue. Uh, we know it's here and we know we need to stop it from spreading further, but we also know we may not be able to stop it if it's still coming into the province, especially through waterfowl, but also to through, you know, equipment and, and things like that. We have to be really careful, but it's very difficult to get everything completely cleaned out. Maybe prevention's not necessarily, it's here, prevention's not necessarily how we can fight this. We're trying to prevent, I guess, new infestations, but like I said, realistically, if we know where they are and we destroy them and we don't allow it to set seed where we find it, it's just realistically, can we wipe out every plant in the province? Well, we'd have to find every plant in the province first. <laughs> so, and then there is the possibility too, that it's going to keep coming in or could be coming in from other sources. And we hope that that's a really small way of transmission of getting here. But again, we don't know. It's new. We've only been at this for a couple of years and it's a new weed for us. And it's something that luckily we have, we felt we've contained it so far, but we know realistically there probably are plants out there that we didn't know about. So that's why we have to be aware, you know, be scouting and, and just watching for it. Scouting is your best line of defense, I would imagine. What are other current management strategies you can advise? Well, I think anytime you see a pigweed, stop and take a look at it because it's very difficult to tell apart. Well, it is difficult and it's not. Once you know what you're looking for, you can tell the difference, but it looks like just kind of a regular old pigweed. You might see it look maybe a little bit brighter green. It might be a little bit different. Later on in the season, it can grow a lot bigger than our, our good old red root pigweed. But early on in the year, I think we all need to get really familiar with identifying red root pigweed or a pigweed at an early stage in its life cycle and then be monitoring them and especially be watching after we do our herbicide sprays, which right now we've got parts of the province, our southern part of the province has done a fair bit of spraying already. The rest of the province is a little bit behind. That's kind of just the way Manitoba is. So as we do our spraying and as we come back and we check and see, you know, take a look after and see what survived, we should come back and do some post-spray scouting. Then we need to be taking a look and see you really take a look at the pigweeds from then on in and make sure that, you know, is it a red root pigweed? Could it be a different pigweed? We do have other pigweed species besides the red root and the water hemp and the palmer amaranths, but they're generally not a pest species, but there's five or six different species that it could be if it's a pigweed. 
again, generally, we've really just in the past looked at red root pigweed, and that's all we've been quite concerned with in Manitoba. But unfortunately, that's changing now. Okay. Do the current water hemp populations exhibit resistance and to what groups? So there was some testing done. Some plants were pulled out of some fields that were found. It was a fairly small data set because, again, we haven't found a lot of water hemp in the province, but pretty much unanimously, the samples that were tested were resistant to group two and then also to group nine. So that's our group two chemistries and our good old glyphosate. So that is uh, very scary. (laughs) So we know, I think when we are dealing with this, I think we need to assume that we automatically have a group two and a group nine resistant water hemp. We have a fair population of group two resistant red root pigweeds. So that's not too much of a stretch that we see that But again, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Those were the only chemistries that we tested for. And uh, going forward, we probably will be testing for more chemistries to check for resistance because this is a plant that the water hemp and and the Palmer amaranth are resistant to multiple herbicide groups, not just our group two and our group nine. Yeah, I know water hemp is a bad one, but I've heard horror stories about Palmer amaranth. Everyone seems to be terrified of that one coming up. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like that one. It's just that much worse. (laughs) So so we really don't want water hemp, but we for sure really don't want Palmer amaranth. And so it's really become an issue in some fields. I mean, there's honestly the herbicide resistance issues worldwide are huge, but down in the United States, and these weeds are right across our border in North Dakota, you know, and there's issues in Ontario as well, but they're right there. And in some cases further south, like they're resorted to hand weeding parts of fields and things because there's just no chemistry left that's going to take these weeds out. And so those are dire circumstances. So we just don't want to get there. We just, we can't let ourselves get there. So we just have to really be vigilant about watching out for these weeds. Now, if chemistry is not the only option, what other strategies would you recommend? I think the big thing is it can't go to seed. So if you're spraying and these weeds aren't being killed, then obviously there's some resistance. You have to get in there and you're going to have to manually destroy them. You're going to have to get in there and they have to be gone. These weeds can set seed from early on in the season all the way through to freeze up. I've seen pictures of very small water hemp plants that were just a couple of inches tall and still had I think it was 80 or 90 viable seeds on them. So these plants are capable of setting seed most of the year. We really have to destroy the plant and not let it put seed back in the ground. So, you know, and beyond that, just looking at our crop rotations and trying to have crop rotations that would be easier for us to control the water hemp in. Like we have some crops that once we've got some good pre-emerge and pre-burn sprays and some pre-emerge residual sprays that work really well. But once we get in crop, we're really limited on options. So if looking at our crop rotations, if we can kind of mix it up a bit and get some different chemistries there so that we're not reliant on the same groups all the time, you know, that's going to be a a big deal in slowing down the resistance when it comes and just growing really good competitive crops and trying to get up ahead of this weed. That's a good strategy for any weed control, but especially with something like this, We have to look at this from multiple approaches to weed control in this because straight chemical control is just not going to cut it. And if it is working, whatever is working for Palmer amaranth, then for water hemp is probably not going to be working for much longer. So we need to look at it from a lot of different angles. Okay. Now, if farmers believe that they've found either Palmer amaranth or water hemp in their fields, I know that they have to destroy it. Should they contact and save a sample first? Yeah, that would be really great. I'd really like to see it. We really want to know where it is. There's no finger pointing. There's no blame. It's 
probably not their fault that it's there. And again, I think there probably is more of it out there than we know about. And so we'll be monitoring for that. So we need to know because we really do want to get it tested. We want to know what we're up against. If the chemistries are still working, that's great. But we need to know for sure when they're not going to work. And so that we need to do. And we do have some testing. We are capable of testing it here. We're working on uh, some projects in Manitoba where we can do the testing right here in Manitoba. Other than that, we can send the samples away. Those are things that we need to do so that we know what we're dealing with. So they could contact me directly. They could contact any of our 10 service centers in Manitoba, our ag offices. They're called service centers now, but they could contact anybody there at one of those or also our Weed Supervisors Association in Manitoba is charged with enforcing the Noxious Weeds Act. And uh, like I said, both of those weeds, the Palmer Amaranth and the Water hemp, those are tier one weeds, which means that they must be destroyed without considerations. So when we find the weeds, they have to be destroyed. But again, we would like to know where they're at and be involved in that and, you know, come up with some strategies of dealing with it. Excellent. Small populations could be hand weeded. And honestly, if we start small and we contain it, it won't get to be a big problem. So it could just be a little bit of hand weeding. And honestly, that goes a long way when you're talking, when an infestation first starts, it, it makes a big deal to just do some hand weeding. Excellent. Any other tips or advice you can give to growers at this point? Just really watch your pigweeds. Like I said, know what you know what a red root pigweed looks like. I'm sure most of us do. It's been around forever, right? But again, anything that looks like a pigweed and you think, hmm, you know, that looks a little different, anything like that, just start really looking at them and be aware. Again, involve your agronomists. A lot of our agronomists are aware of the problem and obviously they don't want it getting out of control either because they're not going to have any more tools than, than the rest of us do. So I think if we're all working together, I think we can keep this at bay and stop it from becoming a problem because you just have to drive across the border into North Dakota to see what a big problem it is. And it's basically all through the state or through most of the state. And it, it's so close to us and they are having tremendous problems with it. So we just do not want to get that far down the road like they did. So we need to stop it before it gets there. The ounce of prevention versus a pound of cure sort of situation. Yeah. Exactly. And and there's an old saying, my granny used to tell me that uh, in a garden, one year seeding is seven years weeding. <laughs> and uh, I think that's definitely the case for a plant like this. It can produce both Palmer amaranth and water hemp can produce up to a million seeds. That's on the high end, but routinely 300,000 to 500,000 easily such a tremendous amount of seeds that could go back in the soil and that's from a good sized plant but even the small plants will produce seeds so it's just really crucial to destroy them before viable seed returns to the soil. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.